think today's going to be the last message in this series. But uh, how many of you have enjoyed the Noah series? A couple of you have enjoyed this Noah series. Um, I hope that you're enjoying it. But um, this is the fourth message. And all through the message, there are some typologies and some symbolism of Christ in the ark. I'm going to share with you a couple of things uh, when we get towards the end of this message that will help you see that. But really, this message in this series has been about, you know, you're built for this. You're built with a storm in mind. God created you. God made you. God designed you knowing that you're going to go through some things on this earth. Jesus told us that in his word. He told us that in this world, we will have tribulation. We're going to have trials. We're going to have tests. But God built within us the ability to not only survive, but to thrive in the midst of extreme difficulties, in the midst of extreme uh, challenges. God has given us the ability to just persevere and to overcome. And so hopefully you've been able to glean a few things from that and uh, some things that you can apply to your life that will help you when you get into those seasons of your life when you're struggling, when you're striving, just to try to keep your head above water. And uh, so today's not going to be no different than that. So let's look at Genesis chapter 7, and we'll begin in verse number 17. And it says this, for 40 days, the flood kept coming on the earth. Let me just interject this right here. Whenever you see the number 40 in the Bible, it, it's a reference to testing. The children of Israel were in the wilderness for how many years? 40. They were in the wilderness for 40 years. Um, Jesus was tempted and tried by the devil for how many days? 40 days. The flood or the rain was on the earth for how many days? 40 days. So 40 is a number of testing when you see that in the Bible. And the flood kept coming on the earth. How many have ever been in a season where it just seems like it keeps coming, it keeps coming, and it keeps coming? It's one thing after the next, after the other. And so the Bible says that the waters increased and lifted up the ark high above the earth. The waters rose and increased greatly on the earth. And the ark floated on the surface of the waters. I want you to notice something here as we're just walking through this particular passage of Scripture. I want you to notice uh, something of the fact that what was taking other people under, Noah was floating on top of. And so there are things that everyone goes through, and some people it takes under, but other people's, it elevates them and allows them to continue to move forward. This is what faith will do to you. This is what trust will do for you as you keep your faith and trust in the Lord. And so the Bible says that the ark floated on the surface of the waters. They rose greatly on the earth and all the high mountains under the entire heavens were covered. The waters rose and covered the mountains to the depth of more than 15 cubits. In other words, about 20 feet above the highest mountain. That's how high the waters uh, rose. Every living thing that moved on land perished. Birds, livestock, wild animals, all the creatures that swarm over the earth and all of mankind. There's a lot that we could talk about, but what I, want to, what I want to focus in on, what I want to talk about here, I want to talk about the significance of mountaintop experiences. So we go through the remainder of this message, I want you to think about that for a moment. Because mountains are significant 
in the events of people's life experiences, especially in the Bible. There are many great miracles that are recorded in the Bible that happened or took place on mountaintops. For instance, the father of our faith, Abraham. The Bible lets us know that Abraham experienced God's mercy and God's provision on the mountaintop. Remember, Abraham took his promise that God had given him, and he and that promise tracked for three days. And far off, the Bible says that Abraham saw the mountain, and he said, I and the lad are going up to worship, and we are going to come back. That's faith speaking, because he knew what God was requiring of him. But notice, notice what he told the servants. He said, we're coming back. In other words, he had enough faith to believe that God, even if he had to slay Isaac, that God was able to raise him from the dead. And so they tracked up that mountain, and uh, uh, Abraham gets the knife ready, and he's ready to slay Isaac, and then he hears the voice of God to stop, that stops him and tells him that he has made provision for him. And so here we see, as Abraham entitled that uh, place Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord sees and the Lord provides. Moses experienced God on a mountain. The burning bush experience that Moses had was on a mountain, and he received his call on, on Mount Horeb, and that resulted in a changed life. It would be the same mountain that Moses would lead the children of Israel to, and they would encounter God through divine worship, through a divine worship experience as Moses brought them out of Egypt to the mountain of worship. It was on Mount Sinai that Moses received the Ten Commandments in which he used to govern the lives of God's people and still, in which we still live by and are governed by today. Elijah witnessed the power of God on top of Mount Carmel as the fire fell, consumed the sacrifice, the prophets of Baal were defeated, and God brought about a great victory for the nation of Israel that day. Tracking with me, Peter, James, and John witnessed the transfiguration of Jesus on the mountain and heard the voice of God affirm, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And of course, the greatest event ever recorded in our Bible uh, happened on Mount Calvary, Golgotha's Hill, where our Lord and Savior Jesus was crucified. I think you're getting the point that the mountaintops experience were very significant in the Bible. Now, these mountaintop experiences that I just shared with you uh, are not foreign to us as believers. You and I have and can identify to these experiences, even though that we have not physically inhabited these mountains. I would suggest to you that we have spiritually been there. Let me just backtrack and let me just walk through this with you. Because we've all been to that place in our life where we didn't know uh, where we were going to get our next, uh, uh, where, how we were going to be able to provide for the things that we need. We've all been to that place where, God, if you don't come through, we're not going to make it. In other words, we've all been to that place where we have experienced Jehovah Jireh, the Lord who sees 
and the Lord who provides. We've all been there. We've all been to the, like the children of Israel, where God led us out of Egypt, which is a what? A type of the world, where God led us out of Egypt and took us to a place where we had a divine encounter and experience with him that changed our lives forever. We've been there. We've all been to that place like Moses, where we received the call of God or the purpose of God or the plan of God for our life. Just like God spoke out of the burning bush to Moses, God speaks to us his purpose, his plan, his will for our life. We've all been to that mountain where God reveals his word to us, not on tablets of stone, but God has revealed his word to us in our hearts that have empowered us to live a righteous life before him. We've all been like Elijah. We've witnessed the fire of God fall down upon us. We've witnessed the fire of God consume our sacrifice and defeat our enemies. We've been to that mountain where the mountain of transfiguration, where God has revealed to us Jesus in a whole new light and a whole new way. And thanks be unto God, we've been to Mount Calvary where we have experienced the love and the grace and the forgiveness of God. Aren't you thankful for the mountaintop experiences that we have experienced through him? But here's the point. If we're not careful, we will allow our trials and the storms that we, we go through to cover our experiences with God. The Bible said in this particular account that the mountaintops were covered by the flood. And many times when we get into the midst of a great storm in our life, when we're going through these trials and tests and tribulations in our life, when we get to these places, many times it is as though these experiences that we've had in the past with God get covered up. And then we begin to lose sight of them, and we forget the fact that he is Jehovah Jireh. He is our provider. We forget the fact that God has delivered us in our past, and God can deliver us again. We forget the past victories that God has brought in our lives, and we don't think that God can bring a fresh new victory in the situation that we find ourselves in. We lose sight of his word, that it will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish that which it was intended for. We forget the intimate, powerful times of worship that we've had with him that has transformed us and changed us for the better. We forget the times of transformation in our lives that God has brought. And the reason that we forget these many times is our eyes are focused more on the storm rather than the God who created us and made us in his image. And those experiences get covered up by the floods and the trials of our lives and we cannot allow the flood seasons of our life to skew the mountaintop experiences that we've had with God can't do it I'm looking for an amen right there thank you one of the things we have to understand is this underneath all of the mess underneath all of the struggles Underneath all of the trials, underneath all of the problems and the setbacks and the loss, underneath all of these things that it's hard for us to see right now because of the season that we're in in our lives, underneath all of those things are still the promises of God. You may not be able to see them right now, but hold on, things are going to clear up. They're not always going to be covered, church. 
things will begin to subside and you will discover that they were there all the time. Remember the disciples after the crucifixion. In their minds, they thought that their dreams, their hope, or their hopes, their promises were buried with Jesus in the tomb. And so Peter said, you know what? I'm going to go back to doing what I know to do. I'm going to go back to fishing. And there were a couple other disciples that said, well, you know what? We're not sure what to do right now anyway, so we're going to go with you. And the Bible said that the disciples fished all night long and caught nothing. How many have ever been in a nothing season in your life? Anybody? Anybody ever been there? In other words, everything you throw out, it comes back empty. Everything you try, it comes back empty. And you try this and you pull it back in and there's nothing there. And you try that and you pull it back in and there's nothing there. And you continue to sow that seed and you go look and there's nothing there. How many of you know that's temporary? That's just a season. And the disciples of the Bible said they tried all night long. And they cast the net out and they pulled it back in and nothing came in. Frustrated and aggravated. I know nobody's ever been there, but let's pretend we've been there. Let's pretend we've been frustrated and we've been aggravated because we've been in a season of nothing. In other words, we don't see God doing anything. We don't see the promise. We don't see the blessing. We don't see the favor of God. But I want you to know something, just like the disciples realized that day, that the blessing of God was right up underneath them all the while. And I want you to know something. The blessing of God is not eluding you. It's right up underneath you. Come on, somebody. It's right there. It's not going away from you. It's right up underneath you. I'll say it this way. You are closer to the breakthrough than you realize. You are closer to your, to your blessing than you realize. This is not the time to quit. This is not the time to give in. This is not the time to give up. This is the time to try again. Nudge your neighbor and tell him, try again. Because Jesus said, cast your net on the other side. And when they cast their net on the other side, this time it didn't come back empty. This time it came back full. And I'm telling somebody in this room under the sound of my voice this morning, don't you quit. Don't you give in. Don't you get discouraged. Don't be frustrated. Cast that net out again because you're about to pull in the blessing that God has for you because God was not keeping it from you. God is keeping it for you. He's not keeping it from you. He's keeping it for you. I want you to know something this morning, church, that there's nothing that God has for you that's gotten away from you. It's there. Everything that you thought you may have lost in this season is right there. It's right there. What you have to understand is this. It's just a matter of time. Say, it's just time. It's just time. That's all it is. It's time. Because the Bible said they fished all night with nothing. But then day came. Some of you are about to go from a night season to a day season. A night season of nothing to a day season of blessings. Anybody, anybody want that this morning? Let me just wave at me. A night season of nothing to a day season of blessings. That's the transition that's getting ready to happen in your life. You have to believe that that's getting ready to take place. And you have to understand as a believer that when you enter into the storms of life and all of these great experiences that you've encountered with God seem to have been washed away, what you have to understand is this. God has a redemptive plan in mind with every storm that you go through. 
Every storm that you go through in life, God already has a redemptive plan for that storm that you're facing. Let me prove it to you. I want you to go back with me all the way to the beginning. I want you to go back with me to the garden. When man fell, how many of you know that didn't catch God off guard? That didn't catch God by surprise. When man fell, God already had a redemptive plan in action. What did he say to the serpent? He said, this is what's going to happen. The seed of the woman is going to crush your head. What was he saying? He was saying the deliverer, the Messiah is coming. He's coming through a woman. And when he comes through his death, burial, and resurrection, he's going to destroy your kingdom. He's going to destroy your works. And when he also destroys your works, he's also going to bring about my redemptive plan and my redemptive purpose for man, that man will be redeemed back to God. So every storm that you go through, God has a redemptive plan in mind for your life. Come on, if you believe it, put your hands together and give God praise. And it was no different for Noah and his family. The Bible said they were moving through the storm. And while they were moving through the storm, God was working out their redemptive plan. It's found in, it's found in Genesis chapter 8, verses 1. Let's look at it together. Listen to what it says. But God remembered Noah. Say, God remembered Noah. And all the wild animals and the livestock that were with him in the ark. And he sent a wind over the earth, and the waters receded. Now the springs of the deep and the floodgates of the heavens had been closed, and the rain had stopped falling from the sky. The waters receded steadily from the earth, and at the end of 150 days, the water had gone down. I want to stop there before I move on. Shannon, if you go back for me, I want you to look at this particular uh, the Bible says that the waters receded steadily. And I think sometimes when we get in a storm in our life that we want God to respond suddenly. But this tells me God sometimes responds steadily. And we do serve a suddenly God. Come on, someone, help me. We serve a God who can suddenly change things. We serve a God who suddenly transforms things. But more often than not, it's not the suddenly that we experience. It's the steady that we experience with God. Because each day we walk by faith. Each week we walk by faith. Each month we walk by faith. And in doing so, we get stronger and stronger and stronger in our faith. If God would come and deliver us suddenly many times, our faith would never increase. Our faith would never grow. So yes, there are suddenly seasons in our life, but there are also more likely than not those steady times in our life where God is just bringing us along. The, the Bible says that the waters begin to subside steadily, rescind steadily. So you may be in the middle of something, but there's coming a point where God's going to reverse what's happening in your life. God's going to turn it around, and it's not going to go away overnight. But it will happen. Come on, somebody. It, it will happen. All right, let's move on. That's a good place to give God praise. Let's move on. And the 17th day of the seventh month, the ark came to rest at the mountains of Ararat. 
The waters continued to recede until the 10th month. On the first day of the 10th month, the tops of the mountains became visible. After 40 days, Noah opened the window uh, he had made in the ark. One more verse. That's it? Oh, I don't know why I put seven up there. Okay. Now, remember last week I told you that God controlled the door of the ark? Remember, God was the one who held the door open, and God was the one who closed the door. And I also told you that Noah controlled the window of the ark. All right? And so here we see Noah controlling the window of the ark. God didn't open the window. Noah opened it. And there are times that God says, I'm not going to do for you what I've called you to do. And Noah opened the window. Uh, there's a whole lot more I could talk about. Maybe next week if I continue this series, we'll go there. But here's the first thing I want you to understand about God's redemptive plan for your life and for my life when we're going through the storms of life. The first thing I want you to notice is this. God remembered Noah. God remembered Noah. How many of you know God has not forgotten you? God's not forgotten about you. I know that when you go through these seasons of your life, it feels that way. Can anybody relate? Anybody relate? God, where are you? God, here I am. Can't you see? God, don't you know what I'm going through? Over here, over here, God. Can't you see? And we talked about that. We talked about last week how Job said, I looked to the left, God wasn't there. I looked to the right, he wasn't there. I tried to go forward, I couldn't find him. I tried to go back, I couldn't perceive him. God, where are you? The Bible says that God remembered Noah. You know, it's not like God got busy and forgot about Noah, and then all of a sudden, oh, wait a minute, there's Noah and all these animals on this ark. I need to turn this faucet off. That was supposed to be a joke, I guess. I need to stick to preaching and not being a comedian. It's not like that. It's not like God said, oh, oh, let me go back over here and help Noah. That word remembered, it, it, means, it means that God is mindful or that God is watching. So whatever you're going through, God is mindful of you. God is watching over you. And this is what he promised in Isaiah. He said, when you go through the floods, Isaiah chapter 40, he said, when you go through the floods, he said, I'm going to be with you. He said, the waters will not consume you. They will not overtake you. So you have that promise. When you're going through the flood season of your life, God said, I'm not going to abandon you. I'm not going to forget about you. I'm going to watch over you. I'm going to watch you go through this. I'm going to navigate your path. How can I say that? It's like I said last week. When God enters your life, God enters it from the future. God enters your life from the future. Psalm 139, I said it last week. I'm going to say it again. God has written a book about your life. And let's just say that book has a thousand pages in it. God doesn't start on page one. God starts on page 1,000, and then God goes back to the beginning. So what you're crying about right now, God knows you're going to be laughing about two months from now. What you're worried about today, God knows next year, you're going to sit back and say, why in the world was I worrying about that? God was watching over me all the time, all the while he was navigating. I'm trying to get you to see God's been where you're going. He already knows about it. 
And God says, I'm going to get you through this. I'm watching over you. God remembered Noah. And God remembers you. And God remembers us. And God is watching over us. And you're going to get through this. You're going to make it. How many of you believe that? Wave at me if you Thank you. Amen. I like this word, remember. I'm going to use it, and I'm going to do a play of words right here. Remember when the thief was on the cross, and he spoke to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. And God remembered Noah. Let's just take that word and break it down. Remember me. Remember me. Say it another way. Put me back together. Put me back together. Remember me. And God remembered Noah. God is saying, I'm going to put it back together. I'm going to put your life back together. He told it, he said it to, he said it to Job. I'm going to put it back together. Only this time I'm going to give you double for all of your trouble. I'm going to put it all back together. And so I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you've been through. But one of the prayers you need to pray during that season and time of your life is, God, remember me. God, remember my family. God, remember my finances. God, remember my children. God, remember my business. God, remember, come on, remember my church. God, put it all back together. I'm telling you, there is a redemptive plan of God in every storm. And the redemptive plan of God is to bring it all back together. I believe he can and I believe he has and I believe he will and if you do put your hands together and give him praise one more time. Man, I'm early today. Yeah, it is. The second thing I want you to understand about God's redemptive plan in the storms of your life is there is a restraining order that God will issue. Now let's look at this for a moment. Because some of you are in this house today, some of you are watching us online, and God is issuing a restraining order. He's saying, okay, that's enough. God knows how much we can bear. God knows how much we can take. And God knows how much weight to put on us. These are light afflictions, the Bible says. <laughs> Don't feel like it but they are. And God knows how much you can bear. God knows how much you can carry through the storm seasons of your life. And I know what you're thinking. Well, pastor, didn't God send the rain and now God's sending a restraining order against the rain? Here's what you need to understand about storms. Not every storm in your life is the act of judgment against you. Sometimes people think, well, God's judging me. I did something bad. I did something wrong. Well, we've all done something bad, and we've all done something wrong, but Jesus bore that punishment for us. He's the one who bore that punishment. Amen. And so not every storm that you're going through is the judgment of God. Noah wasn't under the judgment of God. The world was, but Noah wasn't. What was happening in Noah's case 
was God was using the storm to prove what Noah believed. By faith. In order. So God is issuing a restraining order. Some of you need to catch this this morning. He's letting your adversary know that's it. That's enough. There was a point in a time in, in, in um, Job's life where he said, okay, that's it. You can go thus far and no more. And there's a point in time in your life in the storm that you're going through and God's saying, okay, that's it. Thus far and no more. And God sends that restraining order against your adversary. And one of the ways that he sends the restraining order is through and by his spirit. The Bible said the rain stopped, but the wind began to blow. And those of you know that on the day of Pentecost, the Bible says, and suddenly there came a sound as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house in which the people were sitting. So wind is symbolic of the Spirit of God. Rain was symbolic in this story of the flood, of the test and the trials. For every great test you go through, there will be an equally greater wind in your life. I'll say it this way so it'll make sense. For every storm and every test that you go through, there will also be a season and time of your life where the Holy Spirit begins to move into your life. And the Holy Spirit begins to move upon the things in your life. And the Holy Spirit begins to move on the Word of God just like in the beginning. The Holy Spirit took the Word of God and began to create this world that you and I live in today. And I want you to know that the Holy Spirit will take God's Word over your life and begin to perform it for His glory and his honor. I'm telling you, the wind is going to blow because God is sending a restraining order to your situation. Shout, I believe. Now here, I'm closing, first closing. Watch this. This is what happens after the restraining order is issued. The Bible says that 150 days marked the end of judgment. The waters begin to subside. And the Bible says that the ark rested. Here's what I want you to notice. I want you to notice the date in which the ark came to rest. All throughout this series, I've shared with you how this ark is a type and a shadow of Jesus Christ. Going back to what it was made of, the gopher or the cypress wood. Jesus, the Bible says, was the root or the rod, the wood of Jesse. Where he came from, comparing him to the tree. It's an indestructible wood, and we serve an indestructible Savior. They crucified him. They buried him, but on the third day, he got up. Right? It's a picture of the ark to be able to survive and thrive in the midst of all this difficulty and all of the storms. And then I talked to you about, I talked with you about the, 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 the safety of the ark, how we use the word pitch. And how that word pitch means cover. How that word cover is where we get the word atone, atonement. And how atonement means to cover. It's an Old Testament word for redemption. The atonement of sins. And how that the ark being pitched on the inside and outside represents this. How the blood of Jesus cleanses us inside. How it covers us on the outside. That's why you just, that's why there are times in your life that you need to use the blood to cover. I cover my children in the blood. I cover the possessions God's given me in the blood. I cover this trip in the blood. That's the protective hand of God operating in your life. And then I talked with you about the size of the ark, three floors on the ark, the first level, second level, third level, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. 
33,000 square feet on each floor. Jesus was how old when he was crucified? 33 years old. 33,000 square feet on each floor. Bringing the total, a little over 33,000, bringing the total of 100,000 square foot of ark. 100 is the number of fulfillment. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold, that's full. Jesus at 33 fulfilled the redemptive plan of God to redeem man back to him. Aren't you thankful for that today? Come on, I'm almost done. Track with me. There was one door on the ark. Everyone say one. One door on the ark. That's the only way that man could get into the ark was through that door. Jesus said what in John? I am the door. And this is the way the sheep come in. They come through me. There's not another way. He's the only way. He's the truth and he is the life. And God the Father is the one that brings us through that door. Jesus is the door. We talked about that. We talked about the window, how that the window represents how we are to lift our heads. Why? Because our redemption draws nigh. Lift up your head because your redemption draws nigh. So we talked about that. We talked about the semblance of that. But I want you to look at the date. I want you to take close attention to the date. It said on the seventh month and the 17th day. Somebody just tell me what that day is. What is it? July 17th. Okay. July 17th. Well, that doesn't really do anything for us. But what you have to understand, we're not talking about the Hebrew calendar. What we're talking about is the Hebrew calendar, the beginning of the year began in October. So let's count seven months, October, help me. Where are we at? We're in April now, okay? We're in April. April, the month of April, let's backtrack. April is known as the month or the season of Passover. Remember, God brought the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the world, but in order for them to be spared from judgment, what had to happen? They had to take an innocent lamb, take the blood, sprinkle it upon their doorpost, and when the death angel saw the blood, the death angel did what? Passover. There's where we get Passover. All right? So Passover was on the 14th day of April. Track with me. The 14th day of April. Who is the Passover lamb? Jesus. So on the 14th day of April, Jesus was what? He was crucified. The Passover lamb. The blood. And they put him in a tomb. Right? Now, three days later, what happened? He rose. Which would be what day? What day did the ark come to rest on the mountain? Resurrection day. God was telling us all the way back to the flood that his son, Jesus, was coming, that he was going to redeem man back to him. And that picture is seen in the events that took place on the ark. 
And God was testifying through the ark that Jesus would be the one who would redeem us. And on the 17th day of April, he got up from the grave. Amen? Come on, church. Come on, church. That's worth shouting over. Now, what does that mean to you and I? Here's what it means. It simply means this. At some point in your trial, God is going to bring you to a place where you're going to rest. You're going to rest because you're going to rest in the assurance of his resurrection power operating and working in your life. So know that, that there's going to come a time in this storm that you're in that you're going to find a place of rest. And when you find that place of rest, know that God's resurrection power is available to you. That's why you can't count me out. That's why if you want to try to bury me with your words, that's okay. Resurrection power is coming back into my life. That's why you can't count a believer out. That's why when you get down, you can't count us out. Come on, somebody. At some point and some time in this trial, God's redeeming plan is going to begin to surface in your life. And you're going to see his resurrection power manifest in your life. You believe that this morning? If you believe it, I want you to stand with me then. Come on, stand to your feet with me. I would tell you this, that some of those things that you thought were buried and gone and done, they're going to begin to resurface in your life. And I'm not talking about bad things. I'm talking about the blessings, promises of God. They're going to begin to resurface. It's just right up under, you're, you're closer to it than you realize. You're closer to your breakthrough than you really realize. It's there. There's a time and a season where God just begins to restore it back into your life. He's doing it. What was the first thing Noah saw when the ark rested? Scripture told us what it was. It was in verse 5. The first thing Noah saw when he opened up that window after he had gone through this great flood was the first thing he saw were the tops of the mountains. The tops of the mountain became visible. Joshua, what does that mean? It simply means this. There's going to come a moment and there's going to come a time where you're going to see those promises. You're going to see those blessings. You're going to see them again. They're right there. Just wait for the water to subside. Just wait. They're there. And every promise God has given you, everything God has spoken, it will happen because God is not a liar. God is not a liar. 
I'm telling you, you're going to see. You're going to see. And some of you are like, man, it's been so long since I've experienced God's presence like I used to. Come on. Hold on. Keep pressing on. Keep pressing in. Well, you know, I really need, I'm really in a situation where I really need to see the provision of God. You're going to see it. You're going to see it. Well, I'm really looking for direction and I'm really looking for purpose right now. You're going to see it. God's going to reveal it. Every experience, mountaintop experience that I shared with you today, we've all had at some point in time of our, in our life, you're going to see it. It's coming. It's coming. Ride this thing out by faith. It's not always going to be this way, right? It's not always going to be this way. You're either coming into a storm, you're either in the middle of a storm, or you're coming out of one. That's life. That's life. Father, I thank you for this opportunity to be here today. I thank you for the privilege and honor, Lord, of being able to share your word. I pray right now, God, under the sound of my voice, there are people, Lord, that you need or they need for you to remember them. God, there are some things in their life that they need to be put back together. There are some marriages that need to be put back together. There's some finances that need to be put back together. There's some dreams that need to be put back together. There's some hope that needs to be put back, Lord. And I just pray right now, God, that you would begin to remember them in this season of their life. Lord, there are others, God, that, that Lord, they've been through the flood. And I pray, God, right now that this would be the season that you order a restraining order in their life. That things would begin to subside and the Spirit of God would begin to move in their behalf, in their life. I'm asking that in Jesus' name.